You're listening to The Big Review Ski on Joe, brought to you by Omniplex Cinemas. See it all with my Omnipass. Hello and welcome to this latest b- 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 bonus feature for The Big Review Ski. I am Rory Cashin and today uh, I am joined by, well... The director and one of the cast members for new con artist thriller, The Good Liar, which stars Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. Uh, the director is Bill Condon, who you should probably know from directing the likes of Chicago and Dreamgirls and, well, Twilight and uh, Beauty and the Beast, which made a lot of money uh, quite recently. Uh, I got a chance to to chat to Bill about his, his new thriller and um, how difficult it is See. When it comes to making con artist thrillers, when you know the person, the people involved are con artists, I think audiences these days, they're intelligent enough to be like, well, I can see there's a twist. There's going to be a twist. There has to be a twist coming somewhere. So audiences are very, very savvy these days. Uh, so I had to talk about how difficult it is to pull off a, a twist, a good, decent twist in a, in modern cinema. Uh, we also chatted about Hitchcock uh how TV is, is is almost killing off mysteries, mystery movies because people prefer watching them on Netflix and stuff now. And a, a really high profile biopic that he had been working on uh, and the reason why it all fell apart. So here is myself chatting with Mr. Bill Condon. You ever been to Ireland? No, and I'm Irish, so how crazy is that? I like, and it's, it's you're so close to it right now as well. So well, and and I'm going soon. I yes. Finally. I think you should. Um, I know. Congratulations on the movie. I, I really, really uh, enjoyed it. And I'm going to be very careful in uh, the stuff I do and yep. don't say uh, about it. That's um, great. Thank you. Yeah. We're, this, is a, this is obviously a massive gear shift from, uh, from Beauty and the Beast. Do you, do you enjoy that co- complete change of pace? Uh, when it Absolutely. Comes to one project to another? No, you really, when you're in the middle of, when you're in, you know, the second year of Beauty and the Beast, you you sit there thinking, oh God, a two-hander with uh, great British actors, how how delightful would that be? It is very fun. And they feed off of each other, weirdly, you know? Um, the stuff you learn making smaller movies always, always um, pays off when you're making a big one. Because as you know, no matter what the size of the budget, there's never enough time or money. Um, but more than that, it's just getting rid of all of the, the big crowds and all of the armies and just focusing on story and performance that, that you get to do in a smaller movie that is just thrilling. Well, as much as uh, like your, your CV, it's so it's so interesting to me because it's so eclectic and it seems like mm. every time you come back, it's, uh, it's a complete 180 from the last project you've just worked on. But... Uh, this is not your last time or first time working with Ian McKellen. Uh, right. So what is it like specifically about Ian that makes you keep coming back for more with him? Um, well, great actor. You start with that. But also, he's really become a close friend over the year. So I don't know why it, there was that big gap before Mr. Holmes. It took so long. But we were always looking for things. Um but I think you look at this movie and there's the answer. This is a, you know, a character beautifully written by Nicholas Searle um, in the novel The Good Liar, which is a real character study of a sociopath. But a sociopath who is nearing the end of his life and sort of having second thoughts, you know. And so Ian's ability to play 
the part of this guy who I think any of us would call a villain and yet and yet communicate all of the tension inside, all of the regret, all of the uh, the even the possibility that he might become a different person. That just takes a great actor, you know. Um, so that's the answer, really. It's it's what he gives, what what he delivers. How on each of the movies I've made with him, I've had the identical experience of a day or two where he just goes. He just does something that's so extraordinary that the crew is left speechless and silent and kind of just standing and watching in awe. Yeah, like he, he does completely uh, lose himself, I guess, in, in this role. It is, it is very different to, uh, to what I'm used to seeing from Ian because normally he's so stately and, and uh, I guess like in control in a good way and in this you're like oh yes. this is this completely different shedding in him and I really I really appreciated that um, I think when it comes to uh, the second you mentioned any character in a film as a con artist or anything like that audiences are like they're really savvy to that now um, yes uh, it's almost as if everyone in the audience they're, they're keeping an eye on that rug to make sure he don't pull it when they're not you know paying attention uh, how, how hard is it for you when you're putting the film together to know uh, you know how close to keep the cards to your chest, and like, yeah. specifically with this, there is like there are a couple of moments where you're like, oh, "Okay, is something about to be revealed now?" And then you might hold off, or you'll 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 drop yep. it on them. Yep. No, it's the hardest thing, and it was something we were so aware of when we were working on the script with Jeff Hatcher, and then shooting the movie. Um, you have to play fair with the audience. You have to give them enough clues so that when there is a twist, they might have been able to see it. Um, but at the same time, you don't want the audience to be sitting there ahead of you. And that is, that's the challenge. Helen Mirren was, I have to say, because she has, I would say more secrets. Um, she was a great collaborator in this area. She likes movies like this. She's made a few movies like this. And so she would always be game. You know, we'd finish a scene and, and she'd say, Hey, should I do one where I give them just a little bit more? Should I let on just a little bit extra? And uh, she would. And we actually then shot some additional scenes where we we let on things at an earlier point in the movie. And so then when you're editing it, editing it, you have all of that stuff to play with. What I found putting it together, though, is that um, less always turned out to be more. You know, for example, you take Helen Mirren. You have this woman in the beginning. Her, the character's name is Betty. And she's a widow. And she has a computer date with uh, this character, Roy, played by Ian, who turns out to be a con man. And you think for a moment, oh, gosh, this poor character. But the fact, by the very fact of casting Helen Mirren, you've given your first clue. Because I think it doesn't take more than a moment for the audience to say, oh, I don't believe she'd be that gullible, you know. And and uh, so so that's where the where that kind of game starts it, it's in the very first scene yeah like i i uh it, I, to be honest that is that is exactly what i thought like when when earlier on in the film when it was helen Mirren and she was being uh yeah not gullible i guess was not the word like very very openly nice i was like no exactly there's, there's definitely yeah. something more here um yeah it was uh to put it like in simple terms it was very hitchcockian in a way uh the plotting and it, like uh, there was a lot of tendencies towards that, and you could tell that audiences really 
they love this kind of movie like they love a thriller that makes their kind of their brain light up a little bit because they know they have to pay attention but I was trying to think back to like the most recent one before this one where I was like oh yeah that that also reminded me of of Hitchcock and I was actually I had a kind of a tough time thinking of one um do you you think these kind of movies just aren't as popular or just aren't as uh aren't made as regularly as they used to be yeah, I think this genre got, like a lot of genres, when you think of westerns in the 60s that suddenly got co-opted by TV, I think mysteries got co-opted by television early on, and then even as television has gotten, you know, more sophisticated, I think uh, twisty-turny things, you know, um, plots that twist, I think that's a big, you know, part of what makes TV work these days. So, um, And it's a shame, I think, because there is something... Right now, you only go to movies, I think, for the communal experience. That's why music-driven movies are popular, and frankly, why, uh, you, you know, uh, spectacle and, and uh, comic book movies are popular. Um, but in this case, that sense of being in the audience when the penny drops, right? And when it's like, oh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen it with an audience three times now, and there is this one scene which I'd loved in the book and really was looking forward to seeing you know, uh, with an audience and it happens. It is visceral. It is, that's the pleasure of it, you know? Uh, so it's a shame that so much of that has been taken over by the, the home viewing experience. And I hope, you know, I think there are a number of movies. There's Knives Out is coming out a few weeks after we are. Um, so you hope that this become, and that's a true, one of those true kind of puzzly murder mystery things, you know, that, that, um, anyway, hope it's not, we're onto a new trend. Oh, absolutely! I would, I would love, I would love to see that. Looking forward, can what can you tell us about the the Richard Pryor movie? Because uh, oh. the uh, the the Joe audience and the Irish audience are very, very excited about that one. Oh God, that is a heartbreaker. I have to say, I spent two years writing that script right after I finished Dream Girls, and then another. It's really there's a big gap. That, you know, for me, it was a five year gap in making movies and between writing it and then almost getting it made. And we came very, very close and never could quite get it together. That script is now, you know, still, I think, owned by Harvey Weinstein. So I don't know that there's much future future to that, you know, unfortunately. I'm sure a Richard Pryor movie will be made eventually, but but it's one of those sad things that happens. Okay. Well, uh, Bill, thank you so much for your time today. Um, thank you. And best of luck with the movie. Thank you, Rory. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that was Mr. Bill Bill Condon, really, really nice guy. Um, the the Richard Pryor movie obviously <laughs> fell 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 to the wayside, and that's as we found out uh, because of Harvey Weinstein and all of that stuff. So that's um, that's dramatic. But we also got to talk to one of the cast members. Unfortunately, it wasn't Ian or Helen, but it was it is Russell Tovey, who you might know from years and years or looking or being human. Uh, he is a fantastic British actor who uh, is a very strong supporter of uh, representation of LGBTQ community on screen. Um, so we got to talking about what it's like to act against two heavyweights like Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. Like, do you, do you just kind of stand back and go, well, this is a free acting class for me? Uh, and what it, is, what it is that makes, you know, great actors like them stand out after decades of working and why uh, people love them so much. Uh, and also, he was in Grabbers, one of the greatest Irish 
cult movies of all time. So I asked him uh, what were his memories of working on that. So here is Russell Tovey. Congratulations on the movie, first of all. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, mate. Brilliant. Um, I really, I really enjoyed uh, your character of Stephen because at the very start I was like, oh, he's he's looking out for his gran. Um, yeah. And I can tell you the exact moments I no longer liked Stephen was when, uh, if I was heading on a romantic holiday and a family member popped up outside. <laughs> 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 yeah, be a bit frustrated by that, yeah. I, and then we was like, you know what, I know you're on a romantic holiday, but let's do a history walking tour. I would lose my mind, Russell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and rightly so, I'd be exactly the same. <laughs> If they, not only did they show up, they like dominated the scene. Yes, I'd be yeah, frustrated. Yeah, I'm going to take you to this very sad building now. It's like, oh, great. I, I thought this was <laughs> well, he's one of them people, Stephen, isn't he? He thinks he's doing the right thing, but also he's, he's quite annoying. I think the audience are going to be a bit frustrated by him because all they want is for Betty and Roy to get together in a romantic way. And then trouble ensues. Yeah, like I, I, I was going to ask, like, what... What what do you reckon the audience should take away uh, from in terms of Stephen? Because initially you're like, well, okay, I kind of like we all we're all kind of clued in that that Ian McKellen he's yeah. up to, he's up to no good, but yes. it's almost as if the film wants you to want him to to succeed a little bit. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's down to the amazing writing and the performance of Ian. But I think you should hope that my character is quite heroic. He's on the front line protecting his granny from this bad man, and and the audience should feel uh, pleased that he's around. Otherwise, you would expect Betty to be kind of uh, tricked by his spell. She's spellbound by him, and and I think um, Stephen is someone that's exposing the lies. Absolutely. Um, I... Can you tell me a bit, a little bit about your first day on on the set with 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 Ian and Helen? Because I imagine that's just the equivalent of like a free acting masterclass, just rocking. Oh yeah, well, I mean, the first day we all got together was um, we did the table read at Ealing Studios, and Helen was one of the last to arrive. And when she turned up, everyone stood up like she was the queen, and we all sat down and we started reading this. It, how it just came alive in that room, it was uh, electric, and doing the scenes and just looking at each other across uh, a big square table, a rectangular table, just to, uh, again, connecting over this dialogue was very, very, very special. And then I was queuing up for the toilet afterwards and Helen came up to me and went, well, you're very good, aren't you? I said, so are you, you're very good. And she sort of like laughed in a way like, I know I'm good, that sort of way. <laughs> and, then, and then we started, you know, filming and it was amazing to be like uh, Pinewood Studios like one of the great places of movie making history and just hanging out between scenes, chatting, eating like biscuits and drinking tea. And it was just an amazing experience to have an opportunity to gossip and be on a level and um, have fun and then be able to, when they say action, fall into this energy with each other. It was amazing. I, I I have I think for for those of us who like we don't like act alongside huge megastars uh, for a living, so we have this kind of well I, I I think I can speak for for just about everyone. We have this kind of romantic ideal that when you're on set with with legends like Ian and Helen, all they're doing is parting you know nuggets of information and life lessons that they've learned along the way, 
um, mm. down to the next generation of actors like yourself. Is is that something that like we have just manifested ourselves, or or would you say like Helen, yeah. Helen and Ian were people who would pass on little tidbits? To I don't. No, I don't think they're like peddling propaganda of what it is to be an actor and how to succeed. I think if I asked the question, they would happily answer it. What it was is just, I guess they impart wisdom by being who they are and by doing what they do. And they would hope that you would pick up from them. But in some ways, if you ask them, they would never feel like they were doing that to me. They would probably say something like, well, I quite liked watching what he was doing and I would quite like to do that. And that's not like blowing smoke up myself. I'm just saying that they're so open to still learning because they're instinctive actors and they care about what it is, the craft of acting, that they are constantly looking themselves around them, below them, above them, for what they can get for inspiration. So I never any time felt like I was in the company of people who were uh, so much greater than, because it felt so collaborative and it felt like we were all on the level. That, for me, comes from being theatre kids, being uh, like the plays of thing. Theatre is like where our home is. The Helen loves stage Ian's obsessed with the stage I love the stage it's like we have that common connection I think theatre really kind of takes away any grandiose when it comes to um, what we do well you've also got I don't actually know if Bill has much of a theatrical uh, directing background but like obviously all of his projects are they're so like initially when I heard yeah Bill, Beauty and the Beast Dream exactly. Girls like, I mean they're, they're like very yeah, yeah theatrical musical numbers yeah. When, he, when he rings you up and he said listen uh, I want you on my next gig but it's uh, it's a small almost two-hander and it's like a Hitchcock filler throwback yeah uh, like and oh and it's it's got Helen and, and Ian in it like how quickly is, do you say yes to something like that which is just it's not it's a, like I was talking to Ian earlier and I think, I don't know, he's worked with Bill multiple times, but he said he hadn't even read the script and he got offered it and he just said yes. He hadn't, you know, he didn't know what it was or what it was about, but Bill said, I've written this movie, I want you to play on the lead. And he went, yeah. It's one of them things, you know, and then for an actor like me, when you get offered that, it's just, it's easy. You just, it's, you don't even need to think about it. It's, it's what, it's what you went into the business to do because as a kid, all you did was watch videos and movies and go to the cinema so to be able to make a movie a Warner Brothers movie with people like that is yeah there's no way you wouldn't do it uh one thing I really 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 want to commend you for is the very strong uh representation on screen for the LGBTQ community um yeah over the years uh, you've been working have you have you noticed much of a change or progression since since you since even your career started uh for the roles that are being offered to to out actors? Yeah, totally. It just feels like visibility has, has gone up like a thousand percent. And that's incredibly uh, exciting because that's how it should be. And it's still got a long way to go on every level, on, on all diversity. Everything needs to be uh, blown up and everything needs everybody needs to be able to see themselves represented and have the opportunity to represent themselves and other people. And... That is, I feel like that's definitely, we're in a world now where people are way more conscious of making sure that we are showing diversity, whatever it is, on the screen. 
And one one final question before you go, because we I am talking to you from Ireland, uh, so I have to talk to you about grabbers. Um, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, which, to be fair, is still considered like one of the best cult gems to have come out of Ireland. Like we're so we're so oddly proud of that movie. Uh, oh, I'm proud of that movie. A really strong alcohol uh, intake thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that you can only cure like being destroyed by having a lock in and getting, getting <laughs> yeah, hammered. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a, a very, dream. It's uniquely Irish horror, but uh, it was one of the most easiest plot lines to pitch. Yeah, it was like, literally like that sounds great, perfect. Do you have uh, like do you have any strong memories from working on that? Yeah, I have amazing memories of working on that. It was so much fun and playing this uber eccentric twat knob sort of like scientist who was overly obnoxious incredibly academic so wet behind the ears and then his demise i think is one of the best like deaths in uh that sort of genre of movie ever yeah it really it really is uh russell thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and thank you rory best of luck with the movie and, and everything else going on cheers mate have a good day YouTube, bye, bye, bye. So that was the very lovely Russell Tovey chatting about The Good Lawyer and his career to date. Uh, we will be reviewing The Good Lawyer on the uh, the big review ski pretty soon, or we already have, depending on when you listen to this bit. Uh, and we'll have plenty more interviews coming up uh, in 2019 and the future. Thank you so much for listening to this latest bonus feature and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon on the main show. Goodbye. You're listening to The Big Review Ski on Joe. Brought to you by Omniplex Cinemas. See it all with my Omnipass.